what we do is we basically start up Bible studies on public school campuses with athletes. Um, there's, there's four C's that encompass our ministries. is coaches, campuses, camps, and community. And we work, our, our main objective is to reach coaches because Billy Graham said that a coach has more influence in a, in a student's life than a pastor does in a lifetime. In one year, a coach has more influence in a student's life than even a youth, a youth pastor in a whole lifetime. Reason being, reason being, you know, in, in youth circles, we get to come to church once or twice for an hour here and there. These guys are with their coaches two, three, four hours a day in those particular seasons. And so we try to um, encourage these coaches to coach God's way. Amen. Jesus is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and the coach of coaches. Amen. People talking about, I need a life coach. You need Jesus is what you need. Amen. That's all you need. Hallelujah. You can run. You can, you know, do these all these X's and O's, but you need God to come and transform your life, give you a new heart or a new spirit. If you don't get one, you podrio. You know what that means? Spoiled. And you need a new one. Hallelujah. So God's work is from the inside out. And so we work with these, um, with these coaches to affect the campus. Obviously, if you're working with teams, then, um, you know, we get them out the camps. And then, you know, we need the community. We always talk about coaches, um, campuses, and camps, and community. And I always say that. The community should be first because with FCA, we have to raise our own money. Now, you should play that mm -hmm, like that depressing <laughs> We got to raise our own money. Hallelujah. And uh, praise God for people that understand um, the gift of evangelism that's on ministries and on individuals. And uh, five years, I came to, to Bishop. I wish I would. I wish you would have came with me with that music, man. I could have knocked on Bishop's door and said, "Hey, Bishop, man, we're trying to do a work." And um, it, come on, brother, be on point, man. <laughs> Sensation, sensationalize this thing. Come on, we got it going everywhere, you know? Bishop. I'm meeting with you this morning. I need some money, honey. said I'm busy what you need bro and I said I just need some zeros on the end of whatever number you put in the front <laughs> and uh, Bishop just um just was such a blessing to um you know five it's been five years Bishop and um and I really appreciate that and um the money that we um Occur, uh, occur, rather, just, you know, is able to pay my finances, pay my check, and, um, but then we get money from other sources and scholarships, and I want to, I want to just share with you just this summer, somebody say this summer, what happened, and, and I want to be careful, you know, there's a, there's a story um, about a gentleman that was working in an art gallery, you know, the most famous art gallery called the Louvre out in, in Paris, France. And um, this, this is where the Mona Lisa is. And so when they started training him, he was really scared because, you know, he, he had to give these succinct descriptions of all these paintings, who, who did it, where they come from, you know, the frame, the whole nine yards. And so, you know, he started walking around, and then, you know, he'd walk him through the whole art gallery, and the last one was the Mona Lisa. So he got there, and he started, you know, describing the Mona Lisa. And, you know, at first, when you start describing something and you knew at it, you start stumbling over your words, you know, you're hesitant or whatever. But after a while, he started getting good at it. And one day, he just, you know, was describing the Mona Lisa, and he put his hand in front of it like this. And the people began to cheer, and it was like, oh, that's awesome, that's great. And so the next time he came out, he was describing the Mona Lisa, so he started putting his whole arm in front of it. Started, you know, he started, started feeling good to him, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, man. You know, then he started putting his ha half of his body in front of the Mona Lisa. Look at this great painting. It's so wonderful and tremendous. Before you knew it, this guy was standing in front of the Mona Lisa. 
taking the glory for himself. Come on now. Talking about look how beautiful. And what's up with the Mona Lisa anyway? She ain't even that good looking. I don't even, I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, I'm glad I live in this millennium. Glory to God. But, you know, he started getting all in front of the Mona Lisa, just drawing all the credit to himself. And listen, I just want to tell you that this year, man, we have seen God move in an in a, in amazing way. Uh, we started, one of the things that God wanted to do through me, I believe, is that FCA traditionally has been a Southern Baptist Anglo um, organization. Y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all like, what? Southern Baptist, what's that? And then some of y'all like, Anglo, what's that? Y'all know what that is, right? Caucasian? Can anybody spell Caucasian? Hallelujah. Right? So I used to go into certain schools and, you know, they was just ministering to the people that they knew how to minister to. And so I said, man, we need to go out into the urban communities and, and, and start working with these teams. So I started doing some stuff called um, Inner City FCA. And now what's happening in Atlanta, we're starting to train people from all around the country to be a little bit more relevant. Amen? And, and, and start ministering to some of these athletes. Now, you know, when you talk, you know what's one of the most um, segregated places in the world? You know where, where the, 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 uh, a description of segregation takes place in the world? On Sunday mornings. On Sunday mornings, you got, you got people of all the like backgrounds getting together, see? You know, and, and you, it's sad when you hear descriptions like, is it a black church? Is it a white church? It is a Spanish church? But when you go out to these fields, I mean, you see every race out there. It's one of the most desegregated places in America, our athletic field. And so people need to connect with folk that come from where they come from. And so, you know, even for us here at FCA, we had no ministry taking place in Oak Ridge High School. We had no ministry taking place in Seminole High School. We had no ministry taking place in Evans High School, Jones High School. So we started going in there and just giving that our attention. And now, man, this thing has sprung off that now we're in Atlanta two times a year training people to go out and to minister to inner city youth. And Bishop, I just want to let you know, just me getting an opportunity to work for this ministry has opened up these, these doors. Now I'm on committees and establishing things to minister to people because I'll tell you what, the first, the first inner city conference uh, meeting we had, we had a lot of, you know, white people that came. And, man, we just began to pray for them. Because we, it was just like, man, it was so awesome when you see a white, you know, you know who gets hated on the most when you talk about races? White people. I mean, sometimes you're like, am I supposed to say white? I mean, Caucasian, Anglo, whatever you want to call it. You know, they get, they, they get discriminated against. And, and they have a heart. They want to reach inner city people, urban people. Urban don't mean that you black or Spanish. Urban is an inner city movement, and when you start to get a little money like Bishop, you start moving out to Oviedo. You see what I'm saying? You know? That's your dog and your kid, your man. You just say, hey, I'm, I'm in the suburb now, you know? Y'all in the suburbia, y'all. Y'all in suburbia. There's all the trees coming here. I'm like, look at them. I'm chill. I don't know how to act. You know what I'm saying? I was hoping I'd make a wrong turn somewhere. But we're training people to go in because there's some, some situations in the, in the urban or the inner cities that we need to deal with. But when it's all said and done, sin is sin, amen? But there are certain strongholds over certain communities. And so, you know, it takes one to go in there, one that's been delivered, and cry out, let the people go. And they know that you're one of them. And that there is deliverance and that there is success and that there is transformation. Amen.
that there is redemption, that, is, that there is salvation in the blood of Jesus. Amen? And so we begin to minister to them and work on them, and we try to take them out to different camps. Well, this year, just this summer, we took a couple of kids out to North Carolina. Black Mountain is an amazing place. Blue Ridge Assembly up in the mountains. It's awesome to take kids from Florida up into the mountains because they wake up and they be like, what's that? You know what I'm saying? Because we live in such a flat land. And, man, we go into those valleys and worship God. We go to Georgia, St. Simon's Island, and teach kids about leadership and to really see these kids get transformed. We took basketball players, girls, for, um, to get, have them in leadership camps. We did something called Team Captains Camp where we went to all the high schools and tried to get uh, at least two to four captains. See, you got like a defensive captain, you have an offensive captain or a team captain. Now we're trying to utilize uh, spiritual captains on those teams. So we take them for a couple of days. We had 115 students from 22 different schools that we was able to anoint them and appoint them and train them up to be spiritual captains. See, because with FCA, the reason that you could cross the lines of church and state is because you could start a club. They started something in 1984 called the Equal Access Act, and you can go into a club and start it up a non-curriculum club, which can be a Bible club. But it has to be student-led. So we're taking some of these students and building them up so that they could, you know, um, take the first steps. And then we get sponsors with teachers and so forth. So we had 115 kids go from 22 different schools. But we also had our team football camp up at Stetson University. We had 33 teams for um, three days, three camps. So pretty much at each camp was 11 teams. They're whole teams. And I got the minister at night. I actually got to minister in the morning and at night, so I got to speak to him six times. The theme was man down, because, you know, football players, they, they, they think they're so tough. <laughs> football players think they're so tough, I tell you what. And they always talking about man up, and I said, listen, before you're really able to man up, you're going to have to learn how to crowd man down. Because a lot of those kids had just come from a fatherless generation, and it was amazing to see these kids broken to be able to confess, yo, I'm not that strong. There's stuff going on in my life off the field that I need to be minute. And so we created a safe place. We had coaches getting saved, born again, kids carrying their coaches around. I mean, it was awesome. Every night we had about five, 600 uh, students and coaches in the chapel and to see them getting ministered. I'm going to give you some totals of... Um, how many people got born again. We also had team football camps, day camps, which means they'll come from like eight to five and then go home and come back. We had about 400 players go to that. We had um, seven on seven passing leagues. That's just kind of like a skills thing. They come without their equipment and all that. We had three of those, including the urban one where we had Evans, Jones, Oak Ridge, Seminole. I mean, bringing out you know all their skilled players and every you know as we start to do our thing, we take breaks and, and we minister the word to them. All these teams are doing Bible studies. All these teams are connected and having uh, pregame meals and have chaplains that are ministering to their squad. So we saw over, you ready? Over 700 kids make indications for Jesus Christ this summer. Just right here from Central Florida. So praise God for that. And we have uh, over 80 schools in our tri-county areas that are having Bible studies, um, that's Osceola, Orange, and Seminole, and uh, small groups and team studies, and um, it's a blessing. I, and even here in Seminole County, I mean, just Lyman High School, I mean, the things that God is doing on that campus, Lake Mary High School, uh, God is definitely moving. And um, so, you know, Seminole High School is a blessing having Bible Lake, Lake Brantley. I'm, I'm, we were, right now, right now, though, as we speak, Lake Brantley football team is at First Baptist of uh, Altamont Springs. So we believe in to get in there because Lake Brantley sometimes, you know, they be like, you know what I'm saying? I don't, that's why, maybe that's why Robert work over there. I don't know. That's why. <laughs> Ain't Robert a, Robert is a fly guy too, bro. I should have wore white because Robert wore black. I'm like, oh, man, I got to stand next to this guy too. Praise God. But we say all that, you know, um, really, um, 
You know, just recently somebody overheard, well, actually it was a while back, heard two donkeys talking. And, um, you know, they was in the barn, and, and, and one of the donkeys came in. He said, yo, you can't imagine what happened to me today. And the other donkey said, what? What happened? And all the other animals started coming around. He said, check this out. He said, I was coming into town today, and all the people started gathering up, and they started cheering, and they was looking in my direction. And so, man, I just, I, I just started walking like I never walked before, you know? And as I was getting closer to them, they started putting branches down on the ground and started taking off their clothes and, and laying them, you know, before me as I was walking on that. And I was strutting myself, and the other donkey said, nah, man. Quit lying. He said, nah, I'm serious. And all of a sudden, they started saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And man, I, it was the proudest day of my life. You know, sometimes us as Christians, as we present ministry, sometimes we think it's about us. But we ain't nothing but a donkey with Jesus on our back. Amen? That's all it is. So whenever you think you all that, you ain't nothing but a donkey. Hallelujah. Ain't you glad God uses donkeys? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, you know, it's important, man, that we trust God for the salvation of souls. I want you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Thank you so much for your giving. I know um, there's a lot of people um, struggling financially, you know, with unemployment and this recession. Somebody asked me the other day, man, how you doing with the recession? I'm like, everything's good. I ain't never had no money. I still don't got no money. So I'm, I'm doing all right. I don't know about y'all, but praise God. You know, there's still spam. <laughs> Ain't nothing changed. There's still Kool-Aid. Hello. There's still platanos. You just got to look for them. You can still find them four or five for a dollar. Hallelujah. You can make it if you have Jesus. Amen. Praise God. But I really appreciate you guys giving to this work and uh, Bishop just being a faithful steward and uh, praying about where the finances are supposed to go. And I just say, man, on behalf of FCA, on, well, really, as your friend, I say, man, FCA is good ground, you know, and, and it's not just because I'm there, I, you know, I'm just that donkey, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but God uses donkey, they could even talk, I mean, they see it in the Bible, um, God could do whatever he wants to do, and um, it's good ground, amen? But I want to stay on that theme when we talk about souls, talking about 700 Notice I said people that made indications because, you know, you could, you could sign a piece of paper. We get them to sign. We get their address. We do follow-up on them. But um, that's just signing a piece of paper. Really, God is calling us to, to come in and teach and make disciples of all nations. And if you're going to make disciples, you know, converts is one thing. But if you make a disciple, you're going to have to follow up and begin a relationship with them. And, and begin to show them the rudiments, the elements, the foundations of Christianity. Because salvation comes in knowing God the Father and knowing Jesus Christ whom he sent. That's what John 17, 3 says. You got to know him, know him. Knowing God is vital. And there's three stages of knowing God. See, you can hear about God so you can know about God. Huh? You could meet God. You could be introduced to God. You can come to an altar and be introduced to God. But when Jesus said knowing God, he was talking about being intimately connected with him. It's, the, it's a word yada that's used from the Hebrew that was translated in Greek that, that says, it's the same word it said when Adam knew his wife Eve. He, he, he knew about Eve. He knew where she came from. When he took that nap, God took that rib. And he made her. He knew where she came from. And when he seen her, he was introduced to her. And I know he was like, ooh, that's what they say. He looked at her and said, whoa, man. You know, that's why she's one man, right? He was like, mm, <laughs> praise God, right? 
So he knew about her. He was introduced to her. But then it says, Adam knew Eve. Come on now. See, we got the married brother in the front going, mm. Mm. Knew, intimately connected, in covenant with. And that's what God is saying. For you to have eternal life, you have to be intimately connected to and have a covenant with him. A covenant with God is this, where you say, see, people like to get everything that God got, but they don't like to give everything that they got. A covenant is saying what's yours is mine and what's mine is yours. And some people like to get hooked up by God, but they don't like to pour out their goods on God. And the greater of the two that are establishing the covenant calls the shots. Hello. So getting to know the Lord is what's important. And so that's what we begin to start. But even that process begins with people praying. God has called us to pray. Man, I've been so on this here recently. I mean, listen, I've been evangelizing since the day I got saved. I mean, I, I tell you what, it just happened. You, you know, evangelism is supposed to be something that springs forth from who you are. We all supposed to do the work of an evangelist. And that's testifying, being a witness, using our testimony. I was on the road to Damascus. I was living my life my way, but I had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and he changed my course. Sometimes all you got to do is just share your testimony. There's enough word. God has preachers and teachers to get the word to seal the deal. But we got to begin to start expressing what God is just simply doing in our life. That's what happened to me. I mean, I got born again. And when I got saved, some cat came up to me the next day and he looked around. I was working in the store. He put his hand over. He had a bag of weed, marijuana. Just saying, since some people don't know what weed is, right? And he put that thing on the counter and he slid it over, looked over. And I looked, I said, Oh, I said, Nah, nah, man, nah, I ain't doing that no more. And he said, What you mean? I said, Man, yesterday I got a taste of the most high. And he was like, What? What? You got something on you? I said, yo, I got it all up in me, bro. <laughs> and he said, what you talking about? And I just started telling him what happened in my life. Amen? Amen? And that happened in every area of my life. Some girl came in. You know, I was a married man. She came in, and she was like, hey. <laughs> right? To El, El Bodeguero. I was working in a store, right? So I'm the, I'm the storekeeper, right? I said, like, hey, how you doing? I don't know what she was trying to do, just get extra rice or something, but I don't know. <laughs> but she trying to kick it, and I used to try to kick it to her, and I was like, I was just, I just shut her down. Shut her down. She started making adjustments. You know what adjustments are, baby? They don't. She trying to look, look, make herself look bad. Shut down. I said, what's the matter with you? I said, man, you never know what happened to me. I went to church, and Jesus Christ saved my life. She started, really? <laughs> I said, man, absolutely. And you just begin to tell, it's supposed to be automatic. Then we learn some stuff. I mean, you know what? People just... You, John Wesley, they used to ask him, how do so many people come to your meetings? He said, I just set myself on fire and people come see me burn. That's it. He just fired himself, just fall in love with Jesus, and people going to start asking, what's that? Come on now. If you wear nice shoes and a nice bag, sisters, some sister at the job are going, where you get that from? Where you get that from? The brothers will be checking you out. Brothers be checking you out now. It's a lot of metros out here now, you know, concerned what's going on. So you walk by, they're checking you out. People are always going to check you out. And you just got to say, here, this is what makes me tick. 
this is God on me, working in me, transforming me, breaking me, building me up, molding me into the image of the one who created me. Hello. All creation moaneth for the true manifestations of the sons of God. They waiting to see something. And if you just get under the glory and let God begin to change you and transform you, people are going to be drawn to the light. They're going to be drawn to the light. But sometimes we see folk that are just struggling. You know what we got to do? We got to pray. You in 1 Timothy chapter 2? Because if you ain't there, you ain't never going to find it. <laughs> I urge you. Then first of all, that request. Somebody say request. Prayers. Say prayers. Intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. For kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceable and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all. Somebody say all. Somebody say all. All, all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. How that begins? That begins by praying. By praying. By getting before God and seeking his face for strategies. For power. To go out there and minister to a lost and dying world. We got to find a place of prayer. Listen, I always say this. If you're a Christian and you're not moved by people that are going to hell, I question if you really move by the fact that you're going to heaven. I mean, if you can rejoice and say, man, I'm going to heaven, I'm saved, I'm born again, and you can rejoice in that fact, and that's a reality to you, then there should be a flip side to that, a different reality that people that don't know Jesus Christ, you know that they're going to be separated eternally from God. And that should move you. We got family that don't know Jesus. We got friends that we care for and love just as much as we love in the church. And they don't have Jesus Christ in their life. I mean, how selfish can we be? Oh, man, they ain't trying to hear me. You know, it's, it's just like going down a dead-end street. You know what you got to do? You got to begin to pray. You got to begin to seek God. Abraham sought God when it came concerning to Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, Lord, if there's, if there's a certain amount of people there, will you destroy that land? And he kept lowering the number to just say, Lord, if we could just save a few. And really all he got to save was his family and his nephew's family. But he began to intercede, to stand in the gap, to pray for the salvation of his family and his people. And I tell you, fam, not just what the church is doing, but on your own. You got to begin to pray for the people in your family that are lost. Don't give up. Keep standing in the gap. Keep believing and trusting. Bring them to the house of God. I was, man, when we was worshiping, what, what an environment of worship. I'm just, I came in and I looked backwards and the people were worshiping. I came up walking to the front and the people were worshiping. I came up, I said, glory to God, started weeping, just feeling God's presence. And listen, I know that Bishop, his wife, and the leaders of this church are doing an amazing job. It's a good place to say amen. <laughs> Brother in the sound booth, he was the first one to clap. Hook him, hook him up. <laughs> and I've been coming to this building how many years now, Bishop? 
we need, we need to get mad. Somebody need to kick a wall. <laughs> Just kick a wall. In the spirit and say, glory to God. There's people that need to hear the meat that's coming from this house. Because I know Bishop brings meat. I don't like coming here. Because I know he preached something loud. I'm scared to say anything. Because I'm going to say something wrong. And then he's going to call me and say, brother, you know, in the Hebrews, that glory to God. Sorry, Bishop. You know, brother, that was past tense, and we got to look at current tense. I'm sorry, Bishop. Have mercy on me. I'm a high school dropout, bro. Take it up with Jesus, man. Teach me, Bishop. He got manna coming forth here. People need that. The truth will set people free, amen? So we just need to pray. I've been inviting them, Bishop. You need to pray. Listen, before you talk to man about God, talk to God about man. Amen? And then if he don't do it, it's on him. You said you want all men to be saved. There's one mediator between you and us, and that's Jesus. I'm just praying. So, God, you begin to do it. But, but we try to, talk, we try to convince people. Listen, if they blind, they blind. You begin to speak to God on their behalf, the Holy Spirit will wake them up at night. You ever got woken up at night? You ever been seeped in sin and you can't go to sleep and all of a sudden you start thinking about God? That's somebody praying for you. I remember putting my stuff away, putting a gun by the table, locking the door. And I'm sitting there, I'm just a hootlum, jacked up. I'll be high as a kite, too. And I sit there in bed and just be like, gee, why am I thinking about Jesus? So I'll be like, man, let me pray real quick and get this thing off me. I learned the prayer back in the days, our father, you know, my mother got rooted. She was Catholic and she taught me that prayer. I learned that prayer. I could say that prayer so fast. So I could just go to sleep. You want to hear how fast it is? Our Father, one heaven, be the name of kingdom, come down, will be known on earth, forgive us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses, we forgive those trespasses, forgive us, leave us not today. I mean, I just go through that thing. And I'll be listening. I hear the crickets. And I'll be like, one day, God. One day. That's somebody praying for you, Amen. You need to start just annoying people in the spirit. I, my brother was cra My brother would bite people. For real, man. That brother was biting people before Mike Tyson, coming home with a nose in his mouth. You be like, yo, Ed, what's wrong with you? Told him. I told him. One time I was on the train with him, and some guy tried to steal his Walkman. That's back in the day. Somebody tell the young people what a Walkman is. <laughs> Remember when you had the big boom box? You'd be walking around with something like this, right? thinking you cool. Now they got iPods. Somebody tried to grab my brother's Walkman when it was getting off the train. That, but he, they grabbed it, and it got caught on the zipper. And my brother, he was sleeping. And that cat woke up, it was like, Jason. That kid tried to run, he was like. Grabbed him, beat him down. Beat him down. To the next stop. And the police officer got in and grabbed my brother. And all the other people in the train was like, no, no, no. He did this to happen. And they stopped, he said, okay, okay. And so he said, sir, do you want to press charges? And the dude's on the ground, <laughs> moaning and ground. My brother said, nah, I already pressed charges on him. <laughs> walking around like this. I my brother walk around. <laughs> Crazy. Got in a fight with my brother. I tell you what, it was like 11 years I'm praying for this dude. I stopped talking to him. I said, listen, let me tell you about your blank, blank, blank. I can't even tell you what he'll say to me and about Jesus. 
And I just want, I just, yo, I just want to kill him and tell God he died. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I started reading Cain and Abel. I can't. He's going to know. He's going to know. I said, I said, I ain't talking to him no more. And God, I said, started, you know, you sovereign. If he's the elect, he's not. And I just, I leave it on to you, God. And God's like, you, why are you going to stop praying for him? Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. I try to come in all day. You know, you, you know, sometimes we try too hard to win our family members. Can you pass the salt? They pass the salt. You know, Jesus said we are supposed to be the salt of the earth. They ain't trying to hit. They're going to be like, you like salt on a wound, bro. Shut your mouth. Hello. Your family don't want to hear you. Some of y'all, y'all ever try to preach to your parents? They ain't trying to hear you. Me, don't even tell me. I changed your parents. All right, glory to God. I'm going to go in the room. I remember my, my, I got saved before my wife. And this is, this, yo, the, the change was radical. Back then there was a show called Martin. You ever seen it? You see, look, look y'all, glory together. Like, my, yeah, I'm going home today to watch the Martin Marathon. Hallelujah. <laughs> right, I used to come home, and my wife was watching Martin. And I'd be like, that's it. Because the guy, you know, he be making jokes, and I read in the Bible, only fools make mockery of sin. So I go, that ain't God. And she's like, what? What you talking about? I put up with your junk. <laughs> My wife went off on me. You done cheated on me. You done did this and that. And you telling me I can't watch Martin? <laughs> this is the only thing that makes me laugh in my life. And I just go back to the room. It was just where I was at. I just begin to pray. I said, Lord, minister to him. And here, this is, this is how warped my mind is because I'm so young in the Lord. Save her from watching Martin. <laughs> and live in color. I think I was just mad because I couldn't watch it no more. Because <laughs> that's what the Lord told me to do, right? The other day, I watched the whole Martin Marathon, y'all. I'm just trying to tell you. But I know how to look at it. Sometimes I'll be around Chris, and they see something, and they laugh. And I go, what you laughing at? <laughs> just to check them, you know what I'm saying? Where's your heart at in this, man? Because it ain't like God changed. Oh, Martin is cool. Martin is Jesus. We found that out when he was out in the street with <laughs> half his clothes on on angel dust trying to beat his wife. Hello. Wasn't nothing funny about that. I heard Paris Hilton got arrested again. Last time she got arrested, she had a emotional breakdown. They said she accepted Jesus in prison. 21-day Jesus, hallelujah. She came out, she was hanging out, she's on cocaine. You know what? We could diss her, or I could just say, Lord, bless Paris Hilton. We're about to pray for Paris Hilton in a second. I'm serious. Imagine if Paris Hilton get born again. Lindsay Lohan get born again. That'd be something else. And people be like, oh, this, this, and nah, they got saved. Glory to God. Somebody like Deion Sanders get saved. Prime time. Licking his lips. <laughs> Everybody want to be prime time. Then he get born again. What a witness. What happened when Paul got born again? Somebody was praying for Paul. I got a, I got a biblical, um, what you call it, uh, reference that, that, you know, Paul was prayed for by Timothy. I mean, I mean, I mean, by Stephen, right? He was on the ground. He said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. And Paul was there, and he got rocked on the road to Damascus. Amen. We need to begin to pray for folk and believe God for their salvation. And don't let go. 
Because even when I was praying, I wasn't even thinking about my brother. And that boy called me one day. I was in a hotel in Miami preaching, and I didn't want to answer the phone. I said, I got to answer the phone. Is this cat, he going to be cussing? He going to be tripping? I used to let him just go on the voicemail. I wish I had text back then so I could just say, hey, man, God, I love you, man. Bye. <laughs> Praise God for text. And call a ID, hallelujah. Mm, I hit them up later. I looked at it and said, man, he's my brother. <laughs> I'm in this hotel room all by myself. Let me answer this phone. Hey, man, what's going on? He said, I need to bury the hatchet in my life. I said, Eddie? <laughs> he said, yeah, it's me, man. I said, what's the matter? I just need to get right, man. I got unforgiveness in my life. I was like, glory to God. I started talking to him, led him to Jesus. My niece called me the next day, what you did to my daddy. I said, what you talking about? I woke up, this man is whistling. He's nice. I said, La bendición, and he said, God bless you, and gave me a hug. Glory to God. Glory to God. Got right with the Lord. Let go of some unforgiveness. I tell you, it's supposed to just come from your life. One little kid got born again, got saved, and he started praying, God, I need to tell somebody about what you did in my life. He felt the Lord tell him to go down to a train station. So he went down to the train station. When he was getting on the train station, there was a man getting on. And the plan that this man had is that this was in England, and they had them open box trains. And he said he was going to get on the train, and when he saw the train coming from the other direction, he was going to jump in the way of the train and commit suicide. Well, when he was standing there, the young boy said he felt impressed that that was the person that he was supposed to share Jesus with. So he went up to the guy and said, Jesus loves you, and he wants to do a work in your life. And the guy said, what are you talking about? He said, man, I just want to tell you that I was out of church yesterday, and I was feeling depressed, and there was a hole in my heart. that I, I felt emptiness. I wasn't satisfied. And the preacher began to preach and said something about Jesus. And I had heard about Jesus, and I said, that's the missing link in my life. And I accepted Jesus Christ in my life. And it felt so good that I said, God, I know there's other people just like me showing me what I'm supposed to do to share this with somebody else. He told me to come down to the train station. I seen you and you alone, so I'm telling you about Jesus. So the man said, you know what? I'm on this train because I'm about to commit suicide. And he said, why are you going to do that? He said, because I work for those people that, um, what you call it, uh, um, the lynch man, I, I just want to call it that. He works for the people that chop people's head off for capital punishment. And he said, man, he said, I've been so depressed because every time we chop those people's heads off in England in the 1800s, he said, I feel like the spirits that are on those people get on me. And I can't shake this thing. He was a hangsman. That's what they call him. They either hang them or chop their heads off. And he said, man, Jesus wants to save you. He wants to do a work in your heart. He said, let me take you to the preacher that ministered to me. He said, the church service is over. He said, he said, he said that the preacher said that I could take somebody to his house if I needed to. So they went and knocked on the man's door. The preacher, he opened the door, led the guy to Jesus. The guy got born again. So he said, I want you to come home with me so I could tell my wife. He knocked on the door. He said when he knocked on the door, he walked through and the cat started brushing up against him. He thought that was weird because he used to always kick the cat and when he walked by the cat, the cat would run. <laughs> so he knew something was going on. And his wife said, you bringing company home, what's wrong with you? You smiling. And he said, I got to tell you, I met this young man. This man talked, this young man talked to me. He took me to the preacher. The preacher led me to Jesus. And now I'm sir, I want to serve God. So the wife said, can we go in the kitchen and get the kids so we can accept Jesus with you? 
See, it's a natural progression. When you get born again and you is a reality to you and you begin to pray, then God's going to do something in somebody else's life. It ain't nothing but a domino effect. Don't be singing songs, I live to worship you and I give you my life and take it all and then just keep it right here for church for a little bit. Don't start looking at your watch like it's enough. I gave Jesus my little hour, two hours, two and a half hours. I give bitch If he's good, I stay to 1230. This is something that's supposed to be permeating through your life, coming out your pores, coming out of you. It was natural that I got connected with Jesus, and I was looking at Martin. I said, no, I don't want that. I didn't want anything to jeopardize what I was feeling in my spirit. I could watch Martin now because I'm I'm 19 years in the faith, and I'm not going to let that stuff stick to me. But I'll tell you what, you start watching the marathons. You start going to church, you start going to work, talking about loss. You start going to work, talking about the football game and the basketball game. Because whatever you open up yourself to, whatever you fill yourself with is what's going to come out. And we need to start filling ourselves up with the fact that Jesus wants to save people. It was natural. Whenever you see somebody encounter God, they went to share it with somebody else. It was natural. I'm a minister today. I'm a pastor today. I'm an evangelist today. All of that was just an extension of whatever God wants to do, that's what I'm going to do. And God ain't called all of you to be pastors. And to be in full-time ministry. But he's called all of you to testify. Just like the Gadarene demoniac did in Mark chapter 5. He had an experience with Jesus. And he said, Jesus, let me go with you. And Jesus said, now, go to Decapolis. Go to ten cities and tell them, look what the Lord has done. Come on. Tomorrow, if you're a born-again Christian, will you tell somebody about Jesus. But before you do, make sure you get in your closet. See, with the Lord, there was always a place. Let me wrap this. There was always a place. I've been sharing <coughs> with the congregation that I'm a part of. I've been telling them, I said, listen, Jesus wants us to be a house of prayer. Nothing gets done without prayer. You know, I'm taking some classes, some, some theology classes, you know. And, and here I'm at this university and we talk, and, I, and I, I wanted to mess with one of my professors. I said, I want you to give me a timeline on something. Because I, I already knew the answer because I looked at it. But it says in one place that Jesus went out, right, he got baptized by John the Baptist. And then it says he went out to the desert for 40 days. And then he came back into the synagogue. And, 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 and he opened up a scroll and he made a declaration of who he was. Then we see another thing happen is that he performed a miracle at a wedding. Right? He turned the water into wine. And so after that, it says that Jesus went to Jerusalem. When he went to Jerusalem, he went down to the temple and he got upset. He got upset because they were selling merchandise in the temple. And so what he did, he started flipping over tables. And he says, you turned my house into a den of thieves. And my house is supposed to be a house of prayer. Now listen, people have taken that scripture and say, oh, we can't sell things in the church and this, this, and that. What he was saying is that you're not participating in the purpose that the temple was created for. Second, Second Chronicles chapter 6 talks about when Solomon dedicated the temple. And he said, Father, all his dedication was when your people pray from this place, heal them. 
When your people pray from this place, forgive them. When your people pray from this place, save them. When your people pray from this place, help them with the battles that they're going through. When the people pray from this place, bring provision into their life. When the people pray from this place, bring restoration into their life. Everything was about when your people pray from this place. This is supposed to be a place that we pray for. It's great that we get the word of God, but anything that comes from us, anything that Bishop delivers to you, anything that I deliver to you, you're going to have to pray to get it done because we can't do it on our own. The Holy Spirit is going to do it in us. And the Holy Spirit responds to the prayer. Everything, even when you start in the faith, is making a prayer. It's opening yourself. It's communicating with God. That's all it is. So you think prayer, oh, you know, People say, um, what's this, uh, say the Lord's Prayer or the Salvation Prayer. You know salvation starts through prayer? People say, oh, you don't have to pray. You know, the, 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 the theologians, you don't have to pray. This, this, you know, there's no sinner's prayer in the Bible. Listen, everything happens with communication. There was times, you, you know what prayer is? Communication. Communication with God. It's what it is. I don't care how you slice it. And before, God used to talk to us, and you know what we do? We ignore him. Or we respond disrespectfully or out of ignorance. But when God begins to speak to you, whether it's through an individual, whether it's through the word, whether it's through a dream, whether it's through a small, still voice or your conscience, whatever you want to call it, it's all about the response you give back. Yes, I'm going to do it. I want to start doing this. I need you. It's the communication that begins to open up God's power in your life. You know, the Bible says pray without ceasing. I was like, what? How you do that? I'm going to get fired. I read that about pray without how I'm going to do it. How I'm going to pray. Come on, man. That's, you know, that's an unrealistic request. But how many of y'all talk to yourself? You talk to yourself all day. Why they cut me off? What's up with my hair? I don't know what to wear. They getting on my last nerve. I love my dog. I don't know what it is that you say. You might look in the mirror and be like, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. that's all you say. Listen, now you want to pray without ceasing? Just say, Lord, look at them. They cut me off. Lord, what's up with my hair? Lord, what should I wear? Lord, they getting on my nerve. Lord, I love my dog. Mm-mm-mm-mm, Lord. I'm wonderfully and fearfully made. I don't know what you're going to say, but you can pray without ceasing. Hello. Stop talking to yourself and talk to God. And guess what? You begin to talk to God like that, you start to hear him respond to you back. Communication with God. Don't the Bible say that his sheep know his voice? Don't he say that he'll speak to you through the small, still voice? Don't it say that the true sons and daughters, those that resemble him, are led by his spirit? God wants to communicate to you what this means. Well, let me go ask Jack Hayford or let me go ask John McCarthy. Why don't you ask Jesus? I got so many commentaries in my house, all they do is confuse me. I just give you a kiss. You know what the kiss is? Keep it simple, stupid. Hello. Just, God, what does that mean? What does that mean? And he'll begin to break it down, communicating with God. Paul communicated with God. This brother had an experience with God. He went into the desert of Arabia for three years and began to fellowship with God in such an intense fashion. That he came back with cats that was walking with Jesus. And they looked at him and said, dude, this guy's been with Jesus. 
I was ministering in seminaries and Bible colleges before I had my high school diploma. Because I started talking because I said, hey, God said, you don't want me to watch Martin? I'm going to go talk to you in the room then. If you're cool with watching Martin, watch Martin. And Jamie. And whoever else. But you begin to talk to God. He starts to direct your path. And how God, listen, how God uses a knucklehead like me. I've been trying to count how many people God has used me to reach people for Jesus. And I'm up somewhere like in the 10,000s now. What's the difference between you and me? Nothing. But I'll tell you what, there might be two or three people that you will touch that I'll never even meet. And God is looking for that. God ain't looking for everybody to lead 10,000 people to the Lord. God may be looking for some of y'all to raise up your children in the way that they should go. I bet you this got a banging church children's ministry. But listen, you can't depend on them to teach your kids. You got to teach your kids. My daughter called me two days ago and said, Dad, I need some advice. She said, I need to know what I should do. I said, I, before you tell me what you got, what your situation is, I'm already telling you I know what you need to do. She said, uh-oh, uh-oh. She said, what, you got a word for me? I said, absolutely. You better get with God. <laughs> Asking me what I think. You better get with God. Oh, Dad, come on. I need you. I said, you need him. I said, part of the reason you messed up is because of me. <laughs> come on now. I keep it real now. I'm in a hot conversation. Honest, open, and transparent. Anything that's wrong with my daughter, I blame myself. Also, I say, if you got any failures, they pray your failures. And I said, girl, listen, I'm serious. Take that first. Now tell me what the problem is. She started telling me, I said, mm, you, you got a choice to make. And I said, listen for his voice before every choice. I said, I'll help you weigh out the pros and the cons. But you got to take that back to your prayer closet. That's why the Lord said, my house is supposed to be a house of prayer. They went into the holy place. See, this is like the holy place right here. Close the curtain. Like y'all close the curtain so y'all can pray, right? It's probably early. Just close the curtain. Y'all came up here, you understand. Curtain. You in the holy place, but this is the holy of holies. See? That's what it was like. In the tabernacle that Moses had them build, God gave them instructions via communication. In prayer, God said, Moses, I want you to do this. Boom, boom, boom. Build it this way. Gave them measurements. The Lord will give you measurements. I tell you what. There is no interior designer better than God. He'll break it down every jot and tip, comma. Put that period, cross that T, let's go. We burn in daylight. He'll design it for you. And the holy of holies was a place where you come and pray. They pray. To get answers. The, 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 then they built the temple. You know what they did? They did the same thing. They built a holy of holy, a holy place to get answers. Listen, I'm going to close with this. I'm going to tie it right here. Listen, don't miss this. The high priest used to go in, and they used to have this thing. It was a, a, a little pocket, and it had something inside called the Urim and Thummim. 
I'm right, right past it? Pastor, Pastor, break it down to you now. I ain't got time. He, I know he's probably like, let's go, all right, let's wrap this up. He'll break it down to you later. But if I'm lying, I'm, I'm about to tape next week because I know Bishop, if I say something out of line, he's going to come up next week and go, I just want to clarify something. <laughs> He'd be like one of your uncles. I just want to clarify something that was said here last week. The brother was correct on the Urim and the Thummim. He's in seminary, so he might have a better pronunciation of it. But all I know is that the high priest went in, and they looked for direction from God. If you want to look it up, I wrote it down. Exodus 28, verse 30. They went in, and they dug in there, and they asked God questions. <clears throat> and they said, God, do you want us to do this? And there was two responses, yes or no. I was talking to this brother the other day, and he said, man, I was riding home yesterday, I was talking to the Lord, and I said this, this, and that, and then the Lord said, this, 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 that, and that, and this, that, this, 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 that, this, this, and then I said, oh, Lord, you know, uh, this, this, and that, and then he said, then, then the Lord said, this, and that, I mean, he went on for like five minutes. I was like, brother, I need you to minister to me, because you just heard from God more than I ever have in 19 years that I've walked with Jesus. I mean, this cat having conversations with God. <laughs> you ever met some people that I was talking to the Lord, and they was having this conversation. I was like, man, y'all were having tea together in the whole nine. This is awesome. And I know that people, I know sometimes they say, Lord, put it in my heart, my conscience. You got to be careful. You got to be careful, fam. See, I keep it simple. Saints. I go and say, Lord, I've been presented with this. Should I be doing this? I see it in your word. Yes or no? Let me know what I'm supposed to do. get before God the last thing Jesus did when he went to the temple when he went into Jerusalem three years later he went back to the temple and they still had the merchandise up there and Jesus went in I love this they saw Jesus and he was making a whip can you picture this can you picture precious Jesus I got my brother back there you look like you look like Jesus in the heezy boy look at here Right? Norwegian Jesus, the one they paint look with the beard and just God bless you, bro. Yeah, I'm growing my beard because I'm going to Malaysia in about three weeks. Oh yeah, see, I, I go in, I go in there and roar to Malaysia. I'm gonna go, peach in Malaysia in three weeks to a hundred Muslims in their in, in, in their mosque. They invited me. And I know they're gonna let me say all my stuff, and when I leave, they're gonna tear me up. But I'm going to leave the word in there. Some of them are going to get tore up on the inside. I'm going to plant a little bug in them. They're going to be Allah Abba and all that stuff. I tell you what. Watch. They're going to start talking. That thing going to start growing. Jesus, why? I'm telling you. I'm just growing this thing out. I'm going in there rough. And that's how they do it. They... So I go in there with the Muslims. That's how they do it. I receive you. I receive you, bro. Sammy Sosa. God's going to give me instructions. God's going to give me instructions to speak to them. You know why? Because there's still a prayer room. Jesus, look how livid Jesus was. Imagine Jesus with like three cords and tightening it. He was, a, he was a carpenter, too. Big old forearms. I could just see someone like Peter, James, and John. Jesus, what thou doest? Jesus, thou worketh with arts and crafts? 
And Jesus said, hey, what you doing, Jesus? I'm making a whip. Imagine Jesus is like, I'm making a whip. <laughs> he went to the temple. You know he was upset, too. See, I work for FCA, right? We go to different conferences. We go into people's church. We set up our table. Uh, you should see me. I put the cloth on the table. I put our books, and you fan out the books all nice. You know what I'm saying? You put your little forms, your sign-up sheet. You put your little banner up. Little kids be trying to bump against the table. I'll be like, hold on, hold on. And God bless you. He said, back away from the back. Back up, back up, back up. Back up, back up, back up. Back, back. No, see, keep going, keep going, keep going. Keep going. Stay right there. Don't bump the table now. Jesus come in there and start flipping tables. You know cats was like, yo, what you doing? But Jesus got that whip. <laughs> how did he look, Jay Bishop? How did he look? He probably looked like Robin on the basketball court, right? I can see Robin right here. Give me the ball. Check. Got that look. Jesus flipping over tables with the whip. Cats running. Yo, what's up with Jesus? Didn't I tell you? My house is to be a house of prayer where you communicate with God. Today, God is saying, this is supposed to be a house of prayer, your prayer closet. My house is supposed to be a house of prayer. You're the house. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray. And as I pray, it's just simple questions that you could just say yes or no. Yes or no?